Today's reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, and Luke, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 and 17 through 19. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. While Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. When the shepherds had seen the baby, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Good morning, church. I want to invite you to pray with me as we open God's word. Lord, you are the gift. You are the gift, and yet we pause this morning to recognize that you invite us to give something as well. So we invite you now, through your Holy Spirit, to take what's been prepared and the story that is ancient but new every year to make it real into our hearts, into our lives. We pray this because of Jesus, in his name. Amen. So I don't know how many of you have uh, had any conversations with new parents lately. I don't see any any in this um, congregation right now because they're probably home exhausted, right? The words of wonder about being a new parent and words of exhaustion about being a new parent. You know, when this new little person enters a household, you have this, whether it's through adoption, through birth, the whole household is up, upheaval, right? And families are launched into this wonderful, bewildering adventure of parenthood. And those first few weeks, wow. I mean, just think back to them. Maybe you've blocked them out of your mind. I don't know. But think of it, a fuzzy blur, sleepless nights, new routines, uh, this little human being that is totally dependent on you for care and yet can't tell you what they need, so you have to try to figure it out as you're going along. It's a bewildering time. But most parents have done some work to prepare for this new child, right? Maybe they've taken some classes, they've purchased some furniture, they've spent countless hours trying to put it together. They have done all these things to prepare for a new child. You step into the experience with a little bit of head knowledge, but actually you learn as you go. Every experience teaches you more about what it is to parent a child. I think in some ways this is not like unlike um, other life transitions. We prepare for them. We learn. We study. We maybe purchase things. And yet, like a new job, heading off to college, a new, uh, new location, moving to another place. And yet, with all that preparation, we walk in not really certain with what is next. We have some ways we can prepare, but in certain callings and in certain ways, we can't prepare at all. We have to trust. And I wonder if that wasn't part of Mary's preparation as a parent as well. You know, at Christmas, we talk about Mary's love. We know her devotion that caused her to say yes to God. And yet, at Christmas, we hear so much about the mother and the child. We see it 
in, on Christmas cards. We sang about it beautifully this morning. We see it in artwork in places. And in those places, it's this beautiful picture. Here's one example. A beautiful picture of these tranquil faces of these parents gazing with devotion at their beautiful child. Like this screenshot, this is parenthood, right? No. Not exactly. Parental love and devotion, yes. Maybe even you played the part of Mary sometime in a Christmas pageant. Maybe you were the one who got to dress up and walk up and kneel before the manger and the whoever told you and directed the play said, just look with devotion at this child, right? That's Mary. That's Mary. But when we retell the story, it's easy to forget that what this calling of Mary cost her. Because Mary's love required trust and it required sacrifice even in times of uncertainty. This is Mary's love. We've been in this series called Arrival. Arrival, looking ahead to Christ's arrival. And each week we've looked at an Old Testament promise and then a New Testament fulfillment. Arrival arrival proclaimed, prophesied, and arrival revealed. God at work in history. And God's always been at work in history. He's at work today in our history. But today we focus in on that young woman who experienced Jesus' arrival in the most intimate and personal of ways. Our scripture for this fourth Sunday in Advent that Caleb read for us, the two scriptures, they focus on a child's promised future and a mother's love. And the first one was a prophecy spoken in 700 B.C., way before Jesus or Mary or any of them were on the scene. And then it's brought to fulfillment in the birth of Jesus Christ. So we begin with the prophecy, Isaiah's prophecy. But biblical researchers and and scholars, they look at all the prophecies in the Old Testament. They say there are at least 300 times where specific things about Jesus' ministry are predicted in the Old Testament. And a lot of them have to do with his birth. Now, every promise and prophecy in Scripture has two aspects to it. One is a near fulfillment. It was prophesied in 730 B.C., and something happened shortly after that, a near fulfillment of the promise. And then prophecies often have a far fulfillment, something that's looking way into the future, and that's what we see in the birth of Jesus. So here, take a look again at this passage from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, a little context, just briefly, historically, because we can't just pull this out and just apply it immediately to Jesus' birth. This near fulfillment of this prophecy happened in the days when Isaiah was speaking to the uh, country, the nation of Judah specifically to King Ahaz, who was the leader of Judah at that time. And at that time, an alliance of other um, kingdoms was getting together to come against Judah. And Judah and King Ahaz were terrified. They weren't sure what was going to happen. And so God sends Isaiah to King Ahaz and tells him, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. I am with you. I promise deliverance if you will only believe. And even though Ahaz, this king, initially, if you read the whole passage out of chapter 7, he initially says, um, I don't need a sign. I'm not going to ask God for a sign. But God says in this verse, I will give you a sign. And he says, this sign for you, King Ahaz, this sign that I am going to deliver you and Judah is coming in the birth of a son, a birth of Emmanuel, born into the royal family who's going to prove that Judah is going to survive this invasion. God does provide signs in human history. He provided them for King Ahaz. We're familiar with the signs he provided through the shepherds, right? They heard this news about the Messiah coming, the Son of God born, and they said, the angel said, this will be a sign to you, right? There was a sign. You're going to find a baby. The baby's going to be wrapped in cloths. The baby's going to be in a manger. That's how you're going to know I'm active in the world. You're going to recognize the sign. And the sign that was spoken in Isaiah's time was fulfilled. A boy was born at the certain point in history. And before he was old enough to tell right from wrong, that's what the rest of the prophecy says, before he was about 12 years old, that time Judah's enemies were defeated. In fact, if you read the whole prophecy, they ceased to exist. These countries that were coming against Judah and King Ahaz, they were wiped out. God was faithful. God was Emmanuel. The sign was fulfilled. This is just a reminder for us that when we read the Bible, we need to read it holistically. We can't just take one part out and just say, oh, this is what it means for me right today. Let's read it all together. And we use scripture to interpret scripture. We use the Old Testament to tell us about what happens in the New Testament. We took look at the events of the New Testament through the lens of the Old And I trust that as you read the scriptures, you can find Jesus on every single page. Maybe not seen in reality, but pointed ahead towards. We know that this fulfillment of this sign that was spoken in Isaiah was picked up by the gospel writer Matthew. Matthew, who loved to look back at Old Testament. Matthew was one who quoted more than 30 times verses that said, Remember when this was written way back then? Ah, that's really about Jesus. And so Matthew very explicitly takes this passage and says this in his narration about the birth of Jesus. He says, all this took place, Joseph, Mary, the babe, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, And then Matthew makes sure we understand what that means, which means God with us. God with us became visible in Matthew's time. And Matthew walked on earth with the Lord of the universe and told the story later. God with us. It became visible in a woman, a young woman, and her response to say yes to God's call. But how was Mary prepared for this? I mean, she didn't just walk into parenthood without preparation. God had prepared her to be the mother of his son. What did it look like for her? 
Well, let me just suggest a few things because God, uh, Mary was aware of God's activity in her life way before the angel Gabriel showed up. And I think she had developed these ry- rhythms of devotion to God that prepared her heart for this Messiah to come. And this is what some of the things. She was familiar with Old Testament prophecies. If you read the full Magnificat that Pastor Nancy referred to in the kids' moment today, full of re- um, references to what God was had done through the prophets. Mary knew her scriptures. She'd been versed in them. Mary also knew, and she specifically referred to, stories of women of faith. Mary was looking for mentors. Mary needed to know there are other women who said yes to God, and God came through. And so if you were to read her whole song, that Magnificat, it's like taking words out of the prayer of Hannah in the Old Testament. You may remember that Hannah couldn't have a child, and she prayed, and she begged God, and God gave her a son, and she said, my son Samuel is going to be given over to God's service. And when she brought him to the temple, she sang this magnificent song to God. You look at it, Mary's words echo Hannah's. Of course, there was a message from Gabriel, startling Um, she wasn't really sure what to make of it, right? You're going to bear a son. This was preparation. And that's not like a pregnancy test, right? Where you're kind of like, oh, yes, it's real. No, this was an angel saying, you're going to have a son. You're going to bear my child. And Mary says, how can this be? I don't think she was questioning and not having faith. She just meant, how can this happen? I mean, really, I'm not a sexually active young woman. How can this happen? And yet, Gabriel explains to her, God's power is going to overshadow you, and the child that's going to be born will be called the Son of the Most High. Then there was a preparation after she heard about Elizabeth, right? She goes to visit with Elizabeth. And if you think about that scene itself where they... She, Mary walks in the house and Elizabeth recognizes, right, the baby in her jumps and, and Elizabeth praises Mary for, Elizabeth hadn't heard, right, this confirmation. God prepared her to say, yes, I am with you, Mary, just as I've been with Elizabeth in her miraculous pregnancy. And of course, there was her engagement to Joseph. I mean, Joseph, right, he was going to divorce her quietly. He was an honorable man, right? He wasn't going to make a push the law to its limits and have her stoned. No, Joseph was going to be kind to Mary in this sudden, unexpected pregnancy. But God met him in a vision. God met him and said, no, this child is mine. This child is from the Spirit, and I want you to take Mary to be your wife. And so that confirmation of her betrothed prepared her for this birth. She saw God paving the way, preparing for what we knew was going to happen. That was how Mary was prepared. Yeah, maybe it wasn't birthing classes, although I'm sure she had plenty of conversations with other women who had given birth. Maybe she didn't purchase baby furniture. We know she ended up laying her baby in a cattle trough. But God had watched Mary's preparation. God had seen her heart. 
and noticed what she was attending to. And so he gave her all these confirming signs that you are a favored one, Mary. You are going to bear my son. And then you can just imagine as the months went on, as she had the other confirming signs of a child in utero kicking, maybe the backache, the heartburn of pregnancy, I don't know. But Mary had all these signs as well to say, this is real. A baby is really coming. It makes me wonder how all of us have prepared for God's activity in our life. I mean, we think sometimes that it's just, oh, the angel shows up and then everything happens. No, look at all the preparation Mary had to step into God's call for her life. And what might that look like in our lives? What might it look like to be able to say, when God calls us, we say yes? Let me suggest a few things, the rhythms in your own life that will prepare you for God's activity. For you to notice it. One of them is just to attend to God's word. Not just in a sermon on a Sunday. But in a rhythm in your life. So that this word which has been preserved for us. That shows us who God is and how he acts in the world. Becomes part of the way we think about the world. And that only happens as we soak in it. Incorporate it into our lives. I think another way we prepare for God's activity in our lives, is to be around other people who are paying attention to God in their lives. I I meet with a spiritual director who helps me pay attention to God in my life. I talk with people in this community who help me pay attention to what God is doing in our midst. We all need others to remind remind us, like, remember that in your story? I saw that. Such a privilege to be a part of that in the community of faith. Every experience, every encounter we have, God uses to prepare us for whatever is next. Everything, the good and the bad. Corey Tenboom, who's the Holocaust Holocaust survivor and Christian author, she says it this way. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts into our lives, is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. Think of that. Let me say it again. Every experience God gives you, everyone, the good ones and the, and the joyful ones, every person he puts in your life, the people seated around you here, the people you encounter through the day, these are the perfect preparation for the future that only God can see. But you need to pay attention to it. And be prepared for what God is going to do in your life. When we pay attention, we're preparing ourselves to say yes to the next thing God has. And Mary, in spite of her young age, right? Some might thought she might have been 12, 13 years old. Had been preparing for this incredible call from God. And then all the preparation became reality, right? Birth pangs come. The scriptures tell it this way in Luke chapter 2. And if you have your Bible, either in print or or, um, digitally or whatever, just open it. We're going to kind of look through portions of Luke chapter 2 as we go forward here. Because now the time came where the promise was going to become real. This is how Luke writes it. When they had seen him, this is talking about 
Oh, excuse me. Sorry. While they were there, I went when I had one. Verses 6 and 7. While they were there, while Mary and Joseph were there in Bethlehem, we know how they got there, what happened. The time came. The time came, and the baby was born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The time of waiting was over. The time of preparation what had become reality. And that night promises made through Gabriel, made to Mary, made through Joseph, they became real. And I wonder that evening if after the strain of giving birth and the wonder of holding a baby in her arms, she's reminded, this is God with us. This is God with me here in this space. But it wasn't just an event for her and Joseph. We know that, right? The event of the scripture was truly for the world. And so after this, the shepherds crowd into where Mary is there trying to care for her newborn son. And that she hears about divine messages that have come. That this child is going to be the savior of the whole world. And so Luke writes it this way in verses 17 through 19. When they, the shepherds, had seen him, they had seen this Messiah that had been promised, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Pondered, treasured. It means to bring things together that are in one's mind, to kind of confer with oneself, looking back, and I wonder what Mary was remembering. Some of the things we talked about, but maybe some things she'd heard in in her childhood, all of a sudden thinking, this is miraculous, and it's not just for me. It's for the world. She reviewed what happened over the last nine months, the word of the angels speaking to her, the word of the angels through the shepherds, the word, the vision from um, Joseph, the words from Elizabeth. She, she kept pondering them and thinking them through and paying attention to what God was doing in her lives, retaining those memories to say, is God still active? What is he going to do? And I think that pondering, that treasuring, that thinking through gave her courage for whatever came next. It was Mary's love and devotion to God that first allowed her to say yes to him, that prepared her for this incredible journey. And yet she didn't know the outcome of it. She knew a baby was coming. She knew she was bearing the baby. But there wasn't any certainty about the outcome of this. She didn't know how these promises would be fulfilled. And so she watched and she waited and she pondered and she treasured. Sometimes she waited quietly, and if you read the whole scriptures, sometimes she jumped in and tried to pave the way so that Jesus could do it the way she thought it should go. Mary was just like us, but she pondered and waited and invested it in Jesus' life with sacrificial love, attentive, but not always certain what God was up to. You know, she had some other hints shortly after Jesus' birth, They stayed in that Bethlehem area near Jerusalem for quite a while. And when Jesus was a month and a half, it was a time to go back to the temple for the purification rite for women after birth. 
And so Mary and Joseph head to the temple. And it's there that they hear someone who's been waiting, waiting, waiting for the salvation of Israel. And a man named Simeon comes up to them and he says, my eyes have seen the salvation. He says this to God. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation, not just to Israel, but to the Gentiles, to everyone. Glory for your people, Israel. But then Simeon, after those glorious words about what this baby's going to do, then he says this to Mary. He looks at Mary and Joseph and says, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child, this little one-and-a-half-month-old, is destined to call the, cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. A sword. Mary's devotion to God had led her to that place, and now she hears that the love for her son is going to wound her at the deepest place of her being. And how bewildering this must have seemed. After all these promises for this beautiful child, this Messiah, come. But Mary pays attention. And if you know some of the tradition in um, the writing of the Gospel of Luke, that Luke, who came along later, actually interviewed Mary, right? He went to her and said, tell me more about this. So these stories that Luke writes are coming from Mary's own recalling of the wonder of this time. And she pondered. She kept in her memory, but still wasn't certain. What would it mean that a sword would pierce my soul? Mary just waited wondered, pondered, and watched because she knew God would still be active in her life. And I wonder about us. Do you believe God is active in your life? Now, you may not get the sign of an angel. Maybe you have. Remember, the scripture says angels are among us and we're not always aware of them. But God still gives us signs that he is active in our lives, that he is with us. There is a place for us to pause and ponder and wonder, to hang around other people who are doing the same thing so that we can say, God is still active. He's still at work in our lives. The reminders may be different, but Emmanuel is the same. Emmanuel. Let me just unpack that a little bit for us. Because it means God with us. It means God. Divine, creator, eternal deity, the everlasting God, the great I am. God is with us. This is not just a small thing. This is the God of the universe. And then God is with us. Not far away. Not distant. Not Somebody we just have to kind of think there's way off, not involved in our lives, but next to us, close to us. The song says, love embraced our fate. Love that came and said, I'm going to come right next to you, with us. And then God is with us, with you. You can put your name there. God is with us, this community. God has promised in Emmanuel that he will be with us. The creator who 
deemed it beautiful to become like one of the created ones, to join our humanity to, as the song says, royalty robed in the very flesh he created. He's with us. He's with me. He's with you in whatever comes in the next season of your life. And as you look back on the signs of God's activity in the past, ah, I trust like Mary, it gives you confidence. Even if you don't know the future, confidence that God is with you going into that future. He remains Emmanuel. So I invite you to commit yourself to both the preparation to receive God's call, to pay attention, and the pondering, the place of just thinking through what has happened in my life and how might God with us, Emmanuel, come for us in this day. You know, it was Mary's love, her devotion to God and to her son, that helped her to say yes and changed, the, changed history. Why shouldn't we think God will show up in our lives? Not to bear the sun in that way, but think of the Christmas songs when we talk about may Christ be born in us too. Christ is being born in you. Christ wants to show himself through you. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the good news and this is the message and the example Mary gives to us in her own love. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we are in awe. We hear the story again, and let's not hurry past it too quickly. That you came to a a woman who had prepared her heart and then said yes to a calling that was beyond what she could even imagine. And yet, God, you were always Emmanuel for her as well, as you are for us. Emmanuel, God with us. May that certain promise help us to prepare for your activity in our lives and to ponder with wonder and obedient love to say yes when you call. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Emmanuel. Amen.